Thanks for listening to Cato Sports. I hope you enjoy the pod. Give it a follow. Share it with your mates. I appreciate the love. This is Cato Sports. Welcome into the pod. It's Cato Sports, April 25th, Anzac Day special for you. Always recording on Tuesdays, but an absolute Anzac Day special. What a cracker at the G today. New podcast, new intro. I've got a team of quants working out the back. I've got music guys now. This is a serious operation. It ain't no basement level thing anymore, so... Pumped up for the new pod. Hope you enjoyed the intro. This podcast is is one of my favorites so far that I've been able to dissect, look over. We're going to go through the fallout from Anzac Day. The Pies come flying home from 28 points down to win by two goals. I'm going to take a massive look at that for you. I've got a new segment on the show for you guys. It's called Therapy Sessions with Kato. We're going to get on the couch. We're going to take a breather and we're going to talk it all through. Because as much emotion as there is, sometimes we take that out and we go, what did we do right? What are we going to do better next time? How can we improve? So we're going to get on the couch later on for that. I'm also going to wrap up some of the interesting results of the weekend. We're going to talk a little bit about coaching and I'm going to review the most disgusting performance a team has showed all year. That is all on the podcast for today's episode, but let's kick it off with the with the just the the gigantic the the absolute atmospheric barn burner that was the game at the G today, uh, I think I think I have to start with saying I haven't actually talked about Nick Dacos on my podcast yet. I watch every game. I've seen every one of his touches so far this year. I I understand who he is. I understand the player is. I understand the hype. But I haven't wanted to talk about him because, one, I, I don't like to crown players too early. I think it's really easy to just watch a guy have 30 touches and go, he's the best player in the league. But I, I, I think now, after watching what he did today, after watching how he moved around the ground all game, not just the last quarter when he kicked two game-winning goals, but the whole game, he had 11 touches in the first quarter. He had 40 touches for the game. His ball use is spectacular. It's 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 the best in the league almost. He has gone and overtaken, I think, Andy Brayshaw and Clayton Oliver as the hardest runner in the league. He moves like no one else does. He just gets to every single contest. Then when he gets to the contest, he bounces out and he becomes the option on the outside. Then he kicks the ball. Then he runs pass for the handball. Then the ball goes inside 50. He sets up defensively. He gets to the right spot so that he can be the next weapon. So when the ball comes back out, it goes back in. When the ball goes inside 50, he sets up, he gets to the right areas so that he can be the option on the outside. And as we saw in this game, and this is why I'm talking about him on this episode, Specifically, uh, 
He put himself in positions to win his team the game. When the game was on the line, and 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 one of the one of the knocks that I might have had leading up to 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 this of of him, and there aren't many knocks. He's he's just that special of a player. But one of the knocks I might have had was he touches the ball a lot. But do those touches mean that he's going to help his team win the game? And I think he just proved to to everyone today and just put an absolute stamp that he's not just a ball winner. He's not just a silky user. He's not just a runner on the outside, but he actually wants to win the game of football. He wants to put the team on his shoulders and he wants to make the play. He wants to make the play. He's not just this guy that's that's going to, you know, get a few easy ones out the back and go, hey, I had 40, you know, crown me. He's He actually wants Collingwood to win the game and he put himself in the position and he kicked two massive goals in the last quarter of the game. And I just think looking at how his ball use, how hard he runs, he wants to kick goals, he's hard at the contest, he's evasive getting out of the contest as well, so the ball's there to be won, he takes it, his first two or three steps to get away from contact are blistering, and then he can either deliver a handball, he can either swing on and use his, his foot skills to, to put it to a player as advantage, which he did all game, uh, I just, I was in awe of him, and as someone that really does put a, I think with the amount of goals that is reducing in the game of AFL and it's harder to go and win games of football off your own boot, to, to be someone that can go, you know what, I'm going to kick big goals in big games, it just, it gives you mega X factor on top of being the best accumulator in the game and one of the best runners. So, yeah, I just, he just was everything he is everything that everyone has said he was. He's going to be, and he's thirty-one games into his career, and he is almost the best player in the league. Like it is just scary what he's been able to do in uh, you know one and a half seasons. It's just incredible. For the rest of the game, the rest of the players playing, both teams tried really hard. I loved the back and forth of the game. I thought it was excellent. Ninety-five thousand at the G. It doesn't get any better. So much emotion. Everyone showed that Anzac spirit that we wanted to. It's why everyone want, wants to watch AFL. Like that was the showcase of why AFL is so good. For Collingwood, Pendles and Sidey, just again, every year, every game, every big game, they show up. Pendles' first half was awesome. Sidebottom was great the whole game. I know Pendles caught one in the eye in the, in the I think in the last quarter, but uh, I mean, just a really solid performance by their inside mids. Darcy Moore, talk about captaining a football club. In the first quarter, he had four intercept marks. He had five or six for the game. He was putting his fist through the ball. Nothing got past him all day. He was just a, a, exactly what you want a captain to be. And at the end of the game, I think, you know, it. I really enjoy the AFL players being able to show who they are. And I love the flair of the game. I liked it when Frederick did a flip after the game. I like Xavier Dersma's arrow uh, he does when he kicks a goal. I like plays showing flair and showing who they are. And after the game, his speech, Darcy Moore showed us who he is. He really is someone that cares. He's someone who's a student of the game. He's someone who's a student of the history of his footy club and of our country, and he is articulate, and he 
led from the front today on the ground. He led from the front off the ground as well. I was so impressed with Darcy Moore. A, a couple of special mentions of players in the specific game that I think just were really crucial to Collingwood getting over the line and storming back by 28 points. I thought Ash Johnson was a target all day. And when Majacek didn't have the best game of his career, Majacek was really not anywhere to be seen. Ash Johnson stepped up. He took some really big marks. He kicked a massive goal in that final term from outside 50 that just kind of floated back beautifully. And you just go, wow. I mean, I love him. He's from Halls Creek. It's in the middle of absolutely nowhere, Western Australia, a small little Aboriginal community. He's just he's just an, a really, really good young player who hits up at the ball and takes big marks and isn't afraid of the moment. Kicked a couple of really good goals today. So well done, Ash Johnson. And the other one was Bo McCreary. Oh, my God. In the fourth quarter, when the game was there to be won, when the game was on the line, it was Bo McCreary laying tackles. It was Bo McCreary getting in, in, in front of players, bumping people off the ball, dishing the handball, opening up opportunities for Collingwood to score. And I think, and I'll talk about this a little bit later in, in, in the podcast, I think sometimes when the game's there to be won and you're down by 28 points, It's just the effort of players to not lose one-on-one contests and go, no, I'm not going to lose this one-on-one contest. I'm going to tackle you to the ground. I'm going to bump you off the ball. I'm going to keep the ball in front of me. I'm not going to let a defender pick it up easy and then scoot it out. And then the the defender gets an uncontested mark and then it slows your momentum. McCree doesn't lose the one-on-ones and he didn't in the last quarter. And he just, he was just a monster and he kicked goals and it, it was just... I just think that having a player that is so willing to tackle, to chase, to keep not lose his one-on-one is is worth almost as much as a, a gun inside midfielder in today's competition because you need to kick goals to win games of footy. We've seen teams go and have th- have players getting 30, 40 touches a game and they, and they lose because they didn't kick any goals. So to have someone that wins contests inside 50 is so important and Bo McCreary is just exactly that. I'd be remiss to not say that Essendon played three awesome quarters. I thought their desire to defend was amazing. They have got the second best defensive setup of of any team in the combat. I think St Kilda is one. They are number two. They moved the ball forward really quickly and they put a lot of pressure on the Pies defense. And I think, you know, for a team like Essendon, who coming into the season they go okay who are we we don't what's our what's our mo what is what is our game plan and they went you know what we've got a lot of young players who are good tacklers we're going to go and bring in a tackler in center field we're going to put pressure on the opposition we're going to hit up at the ball we're going to say we're going to out tackle you we're going to set up well defensively we've got some crafty people in our forward line who can kick goals that's how we're going to win games of football, and we're going to do it over four quarters. And look, they gave three really tough ones today. They ran out of legs in the last quarter, but I think any team would against the tsunami that is the Collingwood Football Club at the moment. They are just, they just come at you so hard. So I, I really loved Essendon's game. Uh, a few of their, the, the players that I think stood up for Essendon, I thought Wiedemann had his best game as a bomber. He hit up at the ball. He took some good marks. He, he presented well. Langford hit up at the ball, took some good marks, provided an option for them. I think that the Essendon's forward line is really come, coming together 
after losing Peter Wright before the season started. And you go, geez, Peter Wright, who was led their goal kicking last year, and he was their real big option. They've been able to find some really good replacements. So I think that's been really good for us. And I thought Redmond coming off halfback was just sensational. Uh, uh, he really is someone that just takes the game on. And he's not the cleanest ball user, but he intercepts. He gets back. He helps out. He's third man up to a lot of marking contests. He scoops on balls. He doesn't get knocked off the ball. So I I think Redmond has just grown into a serious player down there. And the combination of him and Ridley and young Zerk Dasher, I think is just really solid for us. And I know they had Laverde get injured today, but really loved Redmond's game. I thought Nick Martin was excellent. He's silky. Around that kind of 50 to 80 mark, he's just a really good player to have the ball in the hands of. He hits targets. He's He just knows what to do. He can find space in a phone box. He's a little like Pendles in that he, he just can kind of move to the left and the right and find a bit of space for himself and then use the ball well. So Martin was excellent. McGrath did an absolute number on Bobby Hill. He had his number all day. Great defensive effort, gave them some spring off halfback. So I really liked Essendon's game. I, I thought they were just blown away by Collingwood. And Collingwood are uh, with the guys like Dugowie and Dacos and Dacos. And uh, just it's just too much for teams sometimes. They're so powerful. Maynard didn't lose a, a single one on one in the second half. It was just, it was a lot. And the tough part for, for, for Essendon is that we, we look at them and go, geez, they've had a really good start to the season. They've had an absolute crack on Anzac Day. Their next three games is the Cats, Power, and the Lions. And I, you just go, oh, that is brutal to come off a, a, you know, a, a short break and then having to play the Cats, the Power, and the Lions over the next three weeks is is really brutal. And I hope that they don't fall off and become, you know, kind of a middle mediocre team. I hope that they can, can keep, keep their defensive intensity up because they've really provided something for their fans to look at and go, man, this is something we can look forward to going to the footy. Essendon fans haven't, we know how long since they haven't won a final, but they just haven't seen a team that's actually, you know, given a shit about their on-field performance for so long. So I hope they hold their standards and they continue the way they're going because Essendon's playing really good footy. And it was just a, an absolute showcase today. Every single person would have gone to the footy, would have been, you know, pretty happy with how it all panned out and, 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 and the whole game. I know Essen fans will be sad, but they'll get over that in a day or two and they'll come and they'll be coming for Geelong next week. After the break, I am going to talk about one team that has joined Cato's first ever sessions of group therapy. So I will see you guys after the break. This is Therapy Sessions with Cato. Welcome back to the pod, excited for the new segment, welcome to Therapy Sessions with Cato. We are on Ligon Street this week, yes Carlton fans, this one's for you, it's been a couple of bad losses for you in a row, Crows and Saints, you don't really know where you're at, well we're going to talk through it, we're really going to go through what's going on. I'm going to talk about some things that we can breathe over as fans, things that we can look at and go, hey, that's that's not too bad. I'm going to look over some concerns as well, 
because there are some, I'm going to look over three concerns that the football club's having at the moment and that the playing group is having at the moment. And then I'm going to talk about three ways we can improve on that. So we're really just going to unpack what's going on. So first thing I'll say, against the Saints on Sunday, the effort was there. It was not a lack of effort. They had You had a, so many players get over 20 touches. You had most of them getting over 30 touches. Your midfield was dominant. You got your hands on the ball. Everyone was 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 actually out there trying and trying to win the game of footy. Now, in past iterations of the Carlton Football Club, that that couldn't be been said. We've seen teams that Carlton rock up and they can't win one-on-ones in the back line. They can't mark anything up forward. Their midfield gets slaughtered. They get run over in the second half. It, it, it It's always been a, a bit of an issue for Carlton, this whole effort thing. That's not the case at the moment. The effort was there. The second one is I've heard a lot of Carlton supporters over the last few days say, well, I don't know where we're at. Where, where are we at? Where's our team at? Well, to be honest with you, you're sitting eighth. The reality of AFL football is you have good wins, you have good losses, you go on streaks, you have injuries. Lots of things happen in the game of AFL to a lot of different teams. Right now, Carlton is sitting eighth on the ladder. That means you're in the finals. That's got to be a positive start to the season, if anything. And to consider you've had a couple of really bad weeks and you're still in eighth position, that's a plus for your team. It means that you can learn and grow over the next few weeks and, you know, potentially rocket ship your team back up into a successful position. And the third thing to breathe over is you play West Coast next week. They've got the biggest injury list in the league. They don't look great. They've got a lot of young players on their list. It should be a a chance for you guys to work on some things and still win win a game of football because sometimes those things are hard. Sometimes it's hard to work on things and win the game of football. I think Carlton can do both next week. There are concerns, though. There are some major concerns. Uh, I think in in this modern game, when you're playing against teams like St Kilda and Collingwood and Melbourne and, uh, and, and Essendon, who are so good defensively, Geelong, that lock you down and you are not able to move the ball, you can't have lapses defensively yourself. I think... Carlton have shown over the last two weeks that they are prone to having defensive lapses, which is players moving forward into free space, forward of the ball from the opposition team without anyone on them. Uh, Not having someone call back from a contest and having too many guys at a contest so that there's a guy sitting out free who's able to easily move the ball forward. Not getting enough people running defensively from contests in the middle of the field to provide and help out and, and and secure the ball so that your team has possession and can and rebound forward and not concede easy goals. Because if you're conceding easy goals in a game of AFL football, you're in a lot of trouble. And I think Carlton have been below the pack. They're below the pack in locking down for a game defensively for the whole game. I really think they need to put a big, big, big um, key as uh, for the next few games in, we're not going to concede an easy goal. We're going to fight. We're going to scrap. We're going to make sure that we're defending. And look, if we don't kick the biggest score, it doesn't matter, but we're not going to concede any easy ones because, you know, I, I, I clipped up the game and I, I watched over the St Kilda game and there's a, a passage in the third quarter where Tim Membry has 50 metres to himself on the wing 
in a game of football in the front half. And that just can't happen. That just simply can't happen in a, in an AFL game. You can't give a player 50 metres space. He hits up Butler on the lead, 30 metres out. Butler goes back, kicks the goal. And it was that third quarter that was so important. So lapses like that just can't cannot happen. The other thing is I, I don't think Carlton are taking risks. The, the, the Saints pushed them wide all game and Carlton went with it. It was like Saints said, oh, we're not giving you the corridor. And, they, and, and Carlton said, oh, okay, well, we'll just kick it wide or we'll switch and we'll go back where we came and we'll try and go the other side. And it just didn't work. And I think, you know, if you're going to have these slow developing plays, it just means you're going to, it's going to be so hard for you to score and your team doesn't seem threatening. This is another thing that you watch a team like Collingwood or you watch a team like, even like Adelaide, they come through the corridor and they're moving the ball fast. Geelong, they come through the corridor. They look fast. They look threatening. It puts a lot of pressure on it. It brings the crowd into the game. Carlton aren't doing any of that at the moment. So they really need to look at the fact that they are getting moved wide and they're not willing to take a chance and move the ball forward, even if it's to a riskier situation. And, you know, one of the things that they also were doing was they were burning their mates and not giving handballs off. They were a bit scared. They were tentative to give a handball to a guy running past. I don't know if it was because it was a, you know, there was someone chasing him or or what the thing was, but a lot of football clubs that are succeeding at the moment are giving that handball, the quick handball, and then they're getting another quick handball, and then they're getting the ball in quickly and giving their forwards a chance after a quick uh play of the ball or quick movement of the ball and it's just a bit easier because once teams get behind the ball it's really hard to score on anyone and that's not that's not just you know a St Kilda who are one of the best teams if you play any team whether you play Fremantle or Gold Coast or Richmond or Hawthorne even teams that aren't playing well this season if you're if you're going to have these slow developing players they plays they're going to get heaps of people behind the ball so it just really is important to take the game on and to have the will and the want to take the game on. The last concern I have for Carlton at the moment is the kicking inside 50 is not final standard. Teams set up really well behind the ball at the moment and St Kilda did a great job of cutting off a lot of kicks going inside 50 on the weekend. And if you're missing kicks or if you're hacking kicks inside 50, you're not gonna you're not gonna play finals in 2023. That's for sure. So that needs to be fixed, and I've got some ways of improving that. So the the three things that I'm gonna do to improve the Carlton Football Club, the three things that the Carlton Football Club can do next week, they can do it next week to provide a better product to get the ball inside 50 quicker, to give themselves a chance to to put up a score to win a game of football. Number one. I'm moving a gun to the forward line out of the center clearance. So I'm saying to someone, I think Sam Walsh is the guy because he's a really good ball user. He moves really well. I'm saying center clearance happens. Walshie, I want you slipping out the front of the contest. I want you being attacking. I want you in the front half. That's where I want your ball used to be. Walsh could go around and get 35 touches running around the back line Every day of the week. He's that good of a player. But they don't need that type of player. They need someone who can get the ball from 100 to 50 metres out from goal, take on the game, move 20 metres forward, and hit a kick 40 metres. That's what the team needs. They need someone who's dynamic and who can 
actually use the ball for their football club going inside 50 because it's just been putrid the last two weeks. The second thing I'm going to do if I'm Carlton Football Club, I'm going to spend all week doing player trust exercises. I know you all think it it, it, it it sounds stupid, but the activity of, you know, you fall backwards and one of your mates catches you and you don't know if they're going to catch you, but you got to catch them. I'll be doing stuff like that. The, at the moment, the Carlton Footy Club is not trusting the players that they have. They need to take the game on and go, we've got Kerno up the field. We've got Mackay up the field. We've got very good small forwards who can win one-on-one contests. We've got Cripps moving forward. Hopefully, we can get Walsh moving forward as well. There's so many good players in this outfit that can win one-on-ones, and yet we're kicking the ball sideways and wide and kicking a 10-meter kick and then kicking another 15-meter kick it's just take it on. Give a handball. Even if it's risky, give a handball. Try and get a bump. Get a shepherd on. Try and move the ball forward quickly. So I'd be doing you know, some trust exercises because the team needs to come together and go, you know, if I'm running past the handball and I ask for it, you've got to give it. That's what it is. That's what trust is. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But at least it's going to give you a chance to get the ball towards Colonel and Mackay, the two most valuable players on your team almost. Get them the ball quicker because they win one-on-ones when they get one-on-ones. The other thing I'm going to do is I'm going to pull the midfield aside. Cripps is the captain, but also Walsh and Chera and Hewitt and Kennedy and Fisher and go, boys, we need some spark. We need some life. We need you guys. I'm looking at the stats from the game. No one in Carlton's midfield. I think Chera kicked one goal. No one else kicked a goal. How can how can you have a game of football where you have a plethora of some of the best midfielders in the competition and you get one goal out of them? That's that's the buyback from, from that. I, I just think that as a team, Carlton needs to say to their midfielders, We need you guys to be the spark. We need you guys to move forward. We need you guys to take the game on. And and, and that might even just be saying to someone like Cripps, hey, instead of you having 14 handballs and and 20 kicks a game, try and have 20 kicks and 14 handballs. Try and break out of the front of a contest. Be a little bit scarier. Provide the spark for the team because right now that's all it is. It's not that they're there's no effort. It's not that there's no talent. It's not that they can't win the ball. It's not that their forwards can't kick goals. When Kerno gets opportunities, he kicks goals. When Mackay gets opportunities, most of the time he kicks goals too. So get them the opportunities. Get the ball in there. You know, run hard, break out of the front of the contest because you're doing a lot right, right, right now. And you will have the opportunity to work on these things this week against West Coast. So I just think Carlton... You're eighth on the ladder. You're in a really good position to have a really good season this year. You've got a really cheap and easy matchup this week. Play with some dare. Break out of the front of some contests. Do some stuff that you haven't done before. Trust your mates and hopefully kick a big score and and, and give something to your fans who've been you know, on the edge of their seat for year after year after year going, oh, next year's the year, next year's the year, next year's the year. Crips and the boys need to take take control there and go, okay, this is the year and we're going to provide something, a product that our fans are going to like and we're not just going to fall back into being a boring football club. After this, I'm going to talk a little bit about 
some of the other matchups this week, and I'm also going to talk about one of the worst results of the year. Welcome back to the pod. Excited to have you here on Anzac Day. Has been a ripping episode so far. Really enjoyed getting into it with you guys. Just wanted to wrap up some of the other games because there were some other games over the weekend that had interest that people, you know, do want to hear about. Uh, Bontempelli on Thursday night. Wow, what an absolutely ripping game from him. He proved he's a top three player in the competition. He just completely tore uh, Fremantle a new one. I think Fremantle are destined for the therapy couch in a couple of weeks because they are just playing such lackluster football. A lot of their better players from last year aren't producing again, and it's really not coming together for them in 2023. So I will be looking at Fremantle really closely in, in a couple of weeks' time, I think. Port Adelaide, I mean, against the West Coast team, that's tried two weeks in a row. I think they've put in a really, you know, not... They just don't have the players, unfortunately. And I, don't, I didn't think the West Coast had players coming into the season. And then you go, okay, well, now you've got 15 to 18 injuries. Now you definitely don't have the players. But um, yeah, Port, we're on song. I just want to do a shout out to Jeremy Finlayson. I think he's just slotted in really nicely into that forward line. Uh, and, and he's playing his role and he started to kick some goals and he's looking dangerous. I think he's had some really good games this year. So Jeremy Finlayson playing really good footy. Connor Rosey also dominating there. Brisbane, you know, probably should have won by more, but they're just doing what they're doing. They're just notching up wins. Uh, Charlie Cameron's kicked seven, mind you. I mean, he's they, he's always been a bit of a, a downhill scare. He did kick probably the goal of the year. If you didn't see it, go and search it up. It is unbelievable. He just skims one off the side of his boot, the most intentional thing you'll ever see, almost like in soccer, just glancing one to make sure it gets into the back of the post past the the keeper. It was just a, a brilliant goal. I was, you know, really happy with GWS's effort as well in that game. I, I watched the whole game and I thought, geez, GWS have come to play, but Brisbane get the win as they should. Uh, Hawks and Adelaide was an absolute ripper game. Connor Nash for the Hawthorne Football Club. Oh, my God. Best game he's ever played. Bone-crushing tackles. Was all over the Adelaide midfield for long portions of the game. I thought, you know, he played a little bit on Jordan Dawson and then got his own footy as well. I think he had over 30 touches. So, Connor Nash, an excellent game. But at the end of the game... When the game's on the line, the cream rises to the top. It was Rankin just stealing a goal from the boundary line. Hawthorne probably should have pushed him out, but he was able to stay in, kicks a banana and 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 puts them within a goal. And then with Sicily unable to get out onto the ground in the last moments of the game, he was stuck on the bench, which is bad organization, bad coaching. I don't know what it is, but if you can't get your captain and probably your best player out on the ground in the last few minutes of the game, you're in serious trouble. And it it, it, it counted. It mattered. Fogarty took a mark over Frost late in the game, who was Sicily's opponent. He went back. He didn't go the bender from the boundary. He went the drop pump, which we all know Jason Dunstall would have loved. And sealed the game for the Crows. It was a manic last minute or two, but yeah, a really good game down in Tassie. The crowd there wasn't very great. So the fact that they've just okayed the new stadium, hopefully the Tassie people get around the new team because adding another team to the competition, a 19th team, and spreading the 
talent of the league, another team's worth thin is scary because I think that, you know, we probably shouldn't have as many teams as we do in the league, but that's just my opinion. Suns get a good win. They needed a good win. They'd been, you know, they'd had some bad performances, they'd had some close losses and North have kind of fallen away from that early season good start they had. Gold Coast come in, they get a good win. Melbourne were able to come over the top of of the Tigers. Tigers had a really good first half in that game. But again, good team. Melbourne started to win the ball out of the middle a lot in the center. Early on in the game, there was a lot of Taranto winning the ball and and Cochin. And it kind of switched late and it was more Petrarca and Oliver. And they were able to get into the young bloke, Van Royen, for, uh, for Melbourne, who looks an absolute star. So... Just covering a few games there, um, some really good results and some some really nice players to, to, to look forward to for a lot of clubs. But I did just want to spend a little bit of time talking about Geelong versus Sydney. That performance by Sydney was the worst performance a team has put out this year so far. I just don't understand. Did they, did they not arrive? They didn't get off the plane? They didn't bring their boots? Uh, what was it? I... I don't know. Was there something on in Sydney? I, maybe there's something on the team's mind. I just, I don't understand how a team as talented as, as Sydney, and they have talent everywhere. They have really, really good football players everywhere. Could bring zero effort to a football game. None. They, I, I don't think they kicked a goal in the second half. Uh, they, they kicked two. They kicked three behinds in the second half of a football game. That is just. A, a complete disgrace. Their ball winners were terrible. Their highest ball winner was Luke Parker with 21. So peop- they didn't even have the ball in their hands. They, they didn't even win the ball. They were pathetic behind the ball. Uh, Hawkins and, and Cameron completely obliterated them. Multiple goal kickers. Are, Gary Rowan kicked 1-4. If Gary Rowan had kicked straight, they would have lost by well over 100. It was, it was just... A, a pathetic performance and you look down the list and go well you know some of their mid-range players barely touched the ball Papley had nine touches Dylan Stevens had seven touches now Papley was in all Australian contention a, a week ago and he's gone out and had nine touches in a game of football uh Aaron Francis seven touches Rowbottoms had 13 touches like these are guys in their team that they need to be accumulating possessions, going out there, winning hard balls, and and Geelong completely shut them down. Geelong's defense was rock solid, as they have been the last three weeks. They, they're the sleeping giant that got woken up by a Hawthorne team at halftime, and I think everyone in the league's probably a little bit upset with Hawthorne over that. But, I mean, I just don't understand how you can go into a football game and, and into a second half and just go, oh, we give up, Sorry. Oh, the game's over. Oh, we're already down by a little bit. We we give up. I, that over any performance that any other teams put up this year. West Coast don't have – they have nearly 18 guys that, that aren't playing and they are giving a hell of a, a lot more effort each week. They are really trying. Hawthorne, who've been beaten badly a couple of times, the last two weeks it's been – Absolute cracker games. They're giving their all. They're, they're out there trying with young lists, with with teams that are, you know, well below in, in any skill level uh, the, their oppositions. At least they're trying. And, and 
Sydney come out and they give nothing. So I just thought that was a, a bit of a disgrace by Sydney and they deserve to be whacked heavily in the media this week, heavily on the training track, and I hope that they really produce next week against uh, GWS because pff, they better because that was just not up to standard. Hope you liked the episode this week. Hope you liked the new intro. Really excited to get the pod to you in a more, you know, kind of organized format. Really loving doing the podcast at the moment. So just thank you to everyone who's who's listening to the podcast. Themes and music is by Kevin McDonald. Just giving that shout out there. See you next week. That's a great idea, Kato.